Every team, every topic, everywhere, this is Believe. The biggest pro football overlays in Vegas are back with $12 million in guaranteed prizes only at Circa Sports. With two ways to win and no rate. Circa Million with quarterly payouts and 100% payback. And Circa Survivor. Select one team each week with no point spread. Take in the big money with $12 million in guaranteed prizes. Enter in Vegas. Play from anywhere. Visit CircaSports.com for details. This is the Arash Markazi Show on the Mightier 1090 ESPN Radio. Hello and welcome to the Arash Markazi Show on the Mightier 1090 ESPN Radio in Southern California. 98.5 The Fan in Las Vegas and the Hawaii Sports Radio Network. 95.1 FM AM 760 in Hawaii. I'm joined as always by Jihei Wiley, Armani Buckets, Brandon Deutsch, Jake Dicker. we got a full house today, Jihei. How are you doing on this Beautiful Monday. I mean, things could be better, but I guess things could be worse. First of all, it's Monday, so you know, you all know I'm like I'm like Garfield, man. I just hate Mondays. But um, on top of it, my poor Rangers. But still up two to one. So up can't, two to one. Yeah, up two to one. So still happy about that. We'll see. I would love for them to get at least one in Tampa. That'd be nice yeah. for this series. So we'll we'll see. At but least that's a competitive series. I mean, we're, <laughs> look, we're looking at Colorado. That that could be a sweep. Uh, so, so we'll see what happens there. How was everyone else's weekend? It was good, other than the Angels. You know, they keep they yeah. keep losing. Uh, it's just honestly at this point funny, fun to watch them just <laughs> blow every game. Me betting on the Phillies when they were down six two, I just knew the Angels were gonna blow blow that game. Yeah, I had a good weekend. Excited, you know, Brandon talked about his baseball team. I'll talk about mine. The Dodgers get two wins with Tyler Anderson and Tony Gonson on the mound, and then lose the last two with Walker Bueller and uh, Julio Urias going. So aside from that, it was it was a pretty good weekend. And yeah, it was a good weekend for Draymond as well. He was literally the biggest menace in on planet Earth yesterday. I've never seen somebody be more annoying and pesky as Draymond was in yesterday's game. That was it was really fun to watch. It was entertaining to watch him. It was like a WWE wrestler moment. It was amazing. I mean, he knows where that line is, and he touches that line, and he doesn't cross it. I thought he kind of did, but listen, as long as he can stay in the game. But we do have to start there, G. Hey, uh, a lot to get into. Let's get to uh, the rundown today brought to you by Circus Sports. Circus Millions and Circus Survivor Pro Football Contest are back with $12 million in guaranteed prizes. Visit CircusSports.com for details. Hit it, G. Hey. Well, Steph Curry scored 29 points as the Golden State Warriors beat the Boston Celtics 107 to 88. Man, not even close. On a Sunday night in Game Two to even the NBA Finals, the Warriors blew a 15-point uh, third-quarter lead in Game One and came back with a blowout game uh, win in Game Two. How do you see the series playing out as it heads to Boston, guys? Listen, I mean, this—I I don't want to say a must-win game, but the, if you're the Warriors, obviously you could not have dropped those uh, first two games. So I think the Celtics did what they had to do in this series. They won Game One. They they came back. Now it's one-one. They do have home court advantage. That was a big win. You know, the, you know, when you looked at the Warriors in Game One, they dominated that game up until, you know late in the third and then the momentum shift I mean they had a 15 point lead in the third quarter so what Draymond Green said it proved out he said we dominated game one we should have won game one they didn't 
comeback blowout win. I mean, gee, I mean, it was a blowout, but I mean, they were up by 25 points. I mean, the game was not close. So, um, listen, I, I, I thought it was going to be Warriors and six. I'm going to hold true to that. Warriors and six. And uh, I think the Warriors will steal back home court advantage going into Boston with a win in game three. Yeah, I agree, Arash. I always thought Warriors in five or six. I just think they're just a much more dominant team. I know the Celtics kind of stole that one in game one in a game the Warriors really should have won. They choked. Uh, they weren't going to do that again with a huge lead. It's going to be about um, how Steph Curry and Jordan Poole continue to play. Clay even had a terrible game. Um, if he plays better, the series is a wrap. Um, you know, Tatum played better. That's promising for the Celtics. Um, but the other guys, Horford didn't show up. Derek White didn't show up. Jalen Brown shot terribly from the floor. Those guys will play better. I expect a much more competitive game three. It's a toss-up. I still think I'm leaning now because of the Celtics game one win. Warriors in six, not five. I think this still will be a competitive series. Yeah, I, I my original, I was on the Warriors in six train. Doubled down on that on Friday after they lost game one. Not feeling too good about it, but feeling better about it now. Uh, the Celtics star, Celtic stars got into foul trouble early and just, you know, never bounced back. Steph led the way with 29 points. Jordan Poole kind of picked up a load when Clay was struggling. But, you know, I think I think they'll split again in Boston. I think Boston's got to get one of the next two. If they want any shot, they could take both. You know, it's just a matter of which Celtics team we're going to see on any given night. Uh, you say the same thing about the Warriors. Um, but, yeah, you know, season, series is evened up at one. Could go either way, but I'm going to stick with Warriors and six. I really was dumbfounded by the officiating in the first half. It, I don't like to use the word rigged, but there were so many <laughs> calls that favored the Golden State Warriors, and I have no dog in this fight. It seemed like the officials were setting the tone early, and then you go into the game and Draymond is literally crossing the line, or at least really towing the line of ejection or not ejection, and then you go into the half, you're tied up, you're feeling good if you're Boston, vintage third quarter Golden State Warriors performance. If you're Boston, if you're Coach Udoka, you can't let Al Horford, who had 26 points, get his first shot attempt. I believe his first shot attempt was in the third quarter. You have to at least run a play for him or something because it was too much isolation basketball. And I'm not saying that Brown and Tatum are not capable of isoing and beating Golden State, but you need somebody else offensively and that should be probably Horford or Smart who both disappeared as you guys mentioned compared to game one it was night and day I still like Boston and I think that I'm gonna go Boston in six I think that the officiating is going to be a lot different when it's in Boston compared to in Golden State. Yeah, I 100% agree on that one. I mean, playing in the Garden is totally different. My only issue that I'm going to have is that Boston doesn't really play well at home. They don't have the best home record, so that's kind of kind of scary. But I'm switching my... I did originally say Golden State in six, I believe, is what I said last week, right? Um, I'm switching it, guys. Just because that game one just really, really impressed me, and if they can... You know, if you can bump up and have Horford not score only two points and maybe just do a double-digit game and not have Jalen Brown have 17 points and be a little bit more active in that and have Tatum still dominate and those two players still dominate and Marcus Smart defensively needs to, you know, rise up and be consistent as that defensive player of the year, I'm going to take Boston in seven. To me, the story of the game that I didn't, I forgot to mention was the defensive intensity right away from Draymond and Steph. You don't typically see it from Steph, but literally from the first possession on, you could tell that those two were going to set the tone on the defensive end. And obviously Draymond, again, crossing the line a little bit 
first possession of the game, he forces a jump ball on Al Horford. Basically, um, I, I heard on the Bill Simmons podcast, they were saying he was in alpha mode from literally the opening tip. And again, are the refs going to be okay with him doing that kind of instigating type of stuff when it goes to Boston? Because, you know, if he does that stuff in Boston, which he will, the crowd is going to be on him as well, not only the Celtics players. And I just can't wait to see how his uh, mindset shifts on the road because he literally is going to be the biggest supervillain maybe <laughs> we've seen in the last decade. Real, real quick, G. So the Celtics, I mean, it was a heck of a comeback, but they've only really looked good in one quarter. What leads you to believe that now that the series is shifting over to Boston? I mean, so obviously, like, they came back from 15 points down, but but you brought up a great point. They have not played well at home for whatever reason. Yeah, no, I mean, I I think, again, this is the playoffs, so it's going to be a completely different mindset, right? And then a lot of players, they have that chip on their shoulder when they do lose a game. That's just fuel for fodder, right? So, like, they're they're going to probably sit there and be on that on that bu- um, bus, on that PJ, um, <laughs> headed, headed back home and being like, guys, suck up, figure it out. You know, you, you're gonna. There, I think their mentality is going to change and it's going to shift. And we've said this before, Raj, in the past. They're going to be in the comfort of their own home. They're going to be with their families. They're going to be with their their peoples, their barber, whatever you want to call them. You know, they're going to be with their people. So like, it's going to be a little bit more of a comfort zone for them. And then maybe it'll just help them to be at home and to have the comforts and be able to maybe step up. And then also some people they they perform better in front of friends, family, etc. So. I mean, that's kind of what I'm banking on right now. And and also, they better get mad. They have to get mad after this point because, like, to get blown out like that, like, Golden State didn't get blown out like that. I mean, yeah, double-digit, you know, loss, but not not that much. Not 88 to 100. What what did I say? 88 to 107. Seven. Yeah. I mean, that's ridiculous. That's a lot. Speaking of getting mad, I didn't think that Draymond, and I don't think those kind of things are going to affect the Celtics mentally. I think that they have the backbone necessary to to take that instigation and to not let it affect them, especially Tatum and Brown. Those guys have been battle-tested. Those guys went against LeBron for years. They're used to these kind of, maybe not at this stage and this level, but I don't think that that kind of like big brother, little brother mentality is going to work in the long run in this series. It worked in game two, but I think it's going to be more about like the basketball rather than the sideshow going forward. Well, yeah. and I think they're hungry too, right? Like they're yeah. like the, that team is hungry, and especially like a vet like Al Horford, who's never been in the finals ever. I'm sure that he's, you know, he wants to get after it too. So, uh, I, again, they'll, that's what I'm making. They'll play much better in Game Three. Ime Adoka makes a lot of adjustments. He's a great coach. I expect it to be a very competitive game. Yeah. Well, moving forward, Darvin Ham was introduced as the new head coach of the Lakers today, as Quinn Snyder, my dookie, my boy, resigned as the head coach of the Utah Jazz. It seems like the Lakers got the coach they wanted, but would you have rather had Snyder as the head coach of the Lakers if he were available? Listen, I really like Quinn Snyder. I, I do think this is a decision that he made to take some time off, so I don't think he was in consideration. I do think that the Lakers did look at him uh, because I think it was well known around the league that maybe Quinn wanted to leave, and that's certainly what he did. Um, listen, I, I do think that 
Ham is the guy that they wanted. Like LeBron wanted him, and I think that's important because uh, you need a coach in place that the players want to play for. And at the very least, it's a clean slate. It's a clean slate with the Darvin Ham. We don't know exactly what he's going to do, uh, but he did make one of his first moves to bring on an assistant coach here. Rasheed Wallace. Rasheed Wallace is going to be coming to the Los Angeles Lakers. What, what do we think about that hiring? Um, it's a bit questionable. It's a bit questionable. I mean, Rasheed Wallace didn't show up to work in Memphis. He doesn't really take a lot of things seriously. However, maybe it'll change since this is his boy now. Maybe they'll get that, you know, 04 Pistons swag. That's kind of what the Lakers need. They desperately need just just dogs on the team grinders guys are going after balls i mean they literally looked like they were lackadaisical every game they played with no heart all season long until the last game when all the bench players played and they actually beat the nuggets maybe that is established with sheed i think they still need to retain phil handy and go after i mean quinn's probably going to take a year off but if they can get quinn to coach the offense you know that's definitely promising for a Lakers team that really doesn't have a lot of expectations to be good this year if Westbrook's on the roster. You need guys to hold LeBron James accountable and and the rest of the stars of the Lakers. I think that if there's anybody that's not afraid to hold anybody accountable, it's Rasheed Wallace. I didn't know about the work ethic in Memphis. Uh, thank you for bringing that up, Brandon. Obviously, that's concerning. I look at it, best case scenario, that he serves as like a Udonis Haslam in Miami. Obviously, UD's on the roster, but he not really. Not really. He doesn't play. (laughs) He doesn't play. I love love that meme when he was looking like he had played his heart out in Game 7. He was walking walking away. (laughs) That was funny. So you make him like a coach like that, and then you hope that his work ethic is up to par, and you hope that his ability to, you know, be that alpha on the sideline is able to hold Westbrook, James, and Davis accountable because they were not being held accountable at all last season. Look, in terms of Darvin Ham and Quinn Snyder, I loved the Darvin Ham hire when it happened. It seemed like the public was was big on that as well. I don't think that should change now that you know Snyder. I don't think anything. Nothing about Ham has changed. He's still the same guy that he was when they hired him. Now that Snyder doesn't have a job, I don't think that that um, opinion should change. Um, in terms of Rasheed Wallace, the Lakers didn't play defense last year. So yeah. I, I know that the combination of Darvin Ham and Rasheed Wallace is not going to stand for a team that doesn't play defense. So, you know, if that benefits the Lakers defense in any way, then I'm good with the Rasheed hire. Yeah, and I agree with you. This is this is why it's a hit or miss. Rasheed, yeah, maybe he's not too serious, but he will. Him and Ham prioritize defense. That is so important. All ten except uh, nine out of the last ten champions. I mentioned this yesterday. Have have had a top ten defensive rating, and the one who didn't had a top five offensive rating. You need to have in the two teams in the championship: Warriors second in defensive rating, Celtics first in defensive rating. You need a good defense. I like this. I still am in on the Ham hire, and I'm in on Sheed right now. I guess we'll see what happens, and they will hold guys accountable. They need to change the culture. They need to be play with heart, and I think this is a step in the right direction. So, other than uh, just this is kind of bugging me. Other than the fact that. Both these guys are former players, so like maybe these guys can, um, the, this roster can gravitate more towards them and maybe actually pay attention to them and be, and do what they say. What makes you think that the culture will change defensively? Because wasn't that Frank Vogel's whole entire exactly. shtick? Yeah. Like he was a defensive yeah, but, guru. Yeah, but and then it's, like, it's, it's like what we were saying. It's not Frank's fault because they're, they put together a roster with a bunch of guys who can't play defense this year. They got rid of all the guys who play defense. They were fine in the series they lost to the Suns. They were first in defensive rating that year. If AD's healthy, they could win that series. They should not have blown up that team. That was very dumb. 
What needs to change is, yes, Ham cannot be successful unless they get defensive players. And this is a terrible free agent market. So they really need to use their, their tax pyramid level exception on a wing, maybe a Thad Young, maybe I know Otto Porter is probably going back to the Warriors. So they need someone that can be great on both ends of the floor, and especially defensively. Uh, really quick to Brandon's point about Rashid Wallace. So he was a player development coach for one year, 2013-2014 season, a five-year gap in coaching. I don't know whether he yeah. enjoyed his time there or not. <laughs> uh, he was a high school varsity coach for two years. He was a I mean, I don't know what, what that really means in terms of, but he was 500 <laughs> as a coach. He was hired as an assistant in Memphis, then relegated to a remote consulting role. I mean, uh, listen, I, I, I think we like Rasheed Wallace, the player, and what he meant and what he was when he was with the Pistons and even in Portland. But uh, coaching-wise, has not really done a whole lot. So, you know, uh, yeah, I, I, we'll, we'll, we'll see how that plays <laughs> well moving forward to winners Ralph uh, uh, Rafael Nadal won his 14th French Open title which begs the question guys is Nadal on clay the most dominant we've ever seen an athlete in a specific aspect of his or her sport I think so I mean listen when you, you talk about the great athletes of all time right if you talk about um, Michael Phelps in the water as a swimmer but when you just what the way Rafa Nadal is on clay no one can touch him I mean he's a great tennis player but when you looked at the career of one Pete Sampras for example he could not play on clay great on grass but when he's on clay, something about Nadal just, it, it speaks to his game. And so I love this question. I think he's the most dominant player on clay. And again, if you're talking about sports world, you're going to have to talk about what? Phelps in the pool, perhaps uh, Conor McGregor at the height of his uh, profession in the cage. You know. Yeah, I'm going to agree. I, think, I mean, Nadal at Roland Garros, the French Open is a career 112 and three. And two of those losses have come to Novak Djokovic. I mean, he's won 14 uh, titles there since 2005, won a stretch uh, nine out of 10. Um, it just doesn't doesn't get better than a doll on clay. I mean, people people show up to the French Open and they're, they're hoping to be the runner up. It's just, it's, the yeah. tournament is his baby. It's 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 remarkable. I'm still a big Federer and Novak guy, but yeah, Nadal's great. Um, and yeah, it, it begs the question: like the Michael Phelpses, the Muhammad Ali's, the you know, just some of the best athletes ever, most dominant in their sport. Uh, he's definitely up there for sure. I feel like he's dominant on clay, but if we talk about anything else, like again, he he kills it at the French Open. Like yeah, kills anything it. else, it's like but, uh, yeah. Federer, like Novak. Yeah. Like he's not the yeah. greatest. Yeah. In a sport. So I mean, can you? Really Really say, and, I'm, and again, I'm not diminishing anything by any means because it's got to be rough to play, period, because those guys literally play all year long. It's yeah. not, they don't really get time let me, off. Let right? me rephrase so. that. Nadal on clay is yes. what I meant, yeah. is yes. like comparing him to like Ali at his prime. And I, not, I'm not in the other other places. Absolutely. <laughs> no, I, I definitely agree. I think that we can all agree that Nadal on, on clay, is he kills it, I mean, right? He played, he played this tournament on one foot, essentially. Couldn't, yeah. couldn't feel his foot with a banged up foot on the Australian Open, then the French Open. Open uh, in the same year for the first time in his career. It's just every time that someone thinks he's going to slow down, he comes back and he wins it again. Yeah, didn't he have to like get injected with a shot or something like that? Yeah, no, he, he could not. Right? He could not he feel his foot yeah. at all. Yeah, yeah. Well, I think we can all <laughs> agree on that one. But well, this past weekend, a Lakers jersey worn by Kobe Bryant in his rookie season, including two 
um, included two playoff games, sold at auction for $2.73 million, and Wayne Gretzky's final Edmonton Oilers jersey worn during the team's 87-88 playoff run that saw the Oilers win their fourth of five Stanley Cup titles, sold for $1.452 million. What's the most you guys would ever pay for a jersey? Um, listen, depending on its significance, game worn, things like that, maybe a thousand, two thousand. I mean, it's just it's just a lot of money for a jersey, and then I'm assuming that I would have to get it framed, and uh, it's a lot of money. No, listen, but I like the fact that I I would love for these jerseys to be in a in a place where people can see them, like in a museum somewhere. But yeah, what two million, two point something for Kobe's jersey? That's way too much. I mean, I think it's all relative to, to how yeah. much money you have and, and where you're willing to spend it. But I mean, $2.73 million for, for anything is, is an absurd amount of money. Um, yeah, I'll go with you. Grand, depending, <laughs> on, depending, depending on what it is. I mean, I wouldn't even know how to go about coming up with a number here. That's a reasonable amount. I'm with you guys. I think that's, you know, the first thing is that... The thousand dollars is a reasonable amount, right? Yeah. Not the two. Okay. No, no, no. <laughs> I don't know. I don't know. Maybe you want to spend two mil on something. I don't Again, know. If you have the, if you have a billion, if you're like Elon Musk, yeah. then uh, yeah, go ahead. Two million is you know a penny, but in this case, yeah, a grand is good enough. Yeah. I mean, listen, if if, if it's a player that that you love in a moment that that, that you wanted to uh, capture, but the funny thing is that this was Kobe's first playoff series. It wasn't during his championship years but uh listen again if you've got the money if you want to spend it but by all means all right let's leave it there for now when we come back we'll be joined by our good friend david bloom and we return right here on the mightier 1090 in southern california the fan in las vegas and the hawaii sports radio network we'll be right back with the arash markazi show on the mightier 1090 espn radio The biggest pro football overlays in Vegas are back with $12 million in guaranteed prizes only at Circa Sports. With two ways to win and no rake. Circa Million with quarterly payouts and 100% payback. And Circa Survivor. Select one team each week with no point spread. Take in the big money with $12 million in guaranteed prizes. Enter in Vegas. Play from anywhere. Visit CircaSports.com for details. This is the Arash Markazi Show on the Mightier 1090 ESPN Radio. Welcome back to the Arash Markazi Show on the Mightier 1090 ESPN Radio in Southern California. 98.5 The Fan in Las Vegas on the Hawaii Sports Radio Network. 95.1 FM and AM 760 in Hawaii. Just as a reminder, if you have a question or a comment or just want to win tickets to an upcoming game in Los Angeles, Las Vegas, or Hawaii, call our hotline, 310-400-0340. Okay, let's go out to the Circa Sports guest hotline right now. Circa Millions and Circa Survivor Pro Football Contest with $12 million in guaranteed prizes are back. Visit CircaSports.com for details. Here he is, our good friend David Bloom. David, how are you? Doing great. How are y'all doing? We are doing good. Good to see you last night. Uh, but, you know, the one team that we do have to begin to talk about, you and Brandon, are struggling with the Angels. 11 straight losses. <laughs> First, let's begin with you, David, on that. Then we'll hear from uh, Brandon. What is going on right now? I had to bring up the Angels. <laughs> I had to bring up the, 
the team that has it all figured out on paper and started off real great, and all of a sudden, one loss on top of another on top of another. It's been a real tough stretch. If you're an Angels fan, it's, there's been a mess in stadium sales. It's been a whole blunder down there. And on top of that, the team has not won a game since, I want to say, May 24th, which is crazy to me. A game against the Texas Rangers that they barely held on to win. And ever since that, it's been loss after loss. And, and they've been tough as well. You know, they haven't been just, you're getting beat, right? It's, it's tough to get beat. You know, when you, when you get beat by a team, like they played the Yankees a couple times, the Phillies, they got beat, right? What do you do? They just were having a great night, weren't pitching well, this and that. But when you beat yourself, that's when the losses really take their toll. You have a one-run lead late. You have a five-run lead, a three-run lead. You come back against the team. You put up a good inning. And then all of a sudden, you just you make the mistake. You don't field properly. You put the wrong pitchers in. You know, whoever's fault it may be, you do not complete the game. And all of a sudden, that piles up. And this is an extreme case, right? Usually, we don't see 10-11 in a row of these tough losses or even a mixture of the getting beat and beating yourself. But at a certain point, you got to ask, what do you do? You can you try a million different lineups. You've tried a million different things. You've got the best player in baseball, some say ever. Tough to say now, going over 26. What do you do? And at a certain point, you have some fans that are begging to fire the, the manager. You have some fans that are begging for any type of lineup change, any type of stability. But at a certain point, you see yourself going into a four-game series starting tonight against the Boston Red Sox, a team that's been hot, a team that is battling with you for that last spot uh, in this new revamped playoff system for that wild-card spot. And a series loss here, a sweep, a three-game loss, even a split doesn't bode well for any postseason chances for the Angels. And right now, unless they turn it around and show that this was just a fluke of fluke, it's going to be another rough season. Well, it's hard to win a World Series when you have an 11-game losing streak in a season. Uh, I don't. I have to look up the statistics, but I doubt someone has won the World Series with an 11-game <laughs> losing streak. Um, but the, the chances of playoffs, they're still pretty high because of the expanded playoff format. They just got to start winning. Yesterday was a game they should have won. Um, I do think they'll take a game or two against the Red Sox, although that seems pushing it considering they've lost 11 straight and the Red Sox have won like 14 out of their past 20 games. They've been one of the hottest teams in baseball. The Angels have a lot of issues. I mentioned this last week. The signings. I mentioned this to David yesterday. Is like Noah Syndergaard, 21 million coming off Tommy John surgery. Um, you give Luke 10 million when he was not a good reliever just a couple of years ago. He was good for the Mets last year, but for the Blue Jays, he was gosh awful. Ryan Sapera, 7 million. He was he hasn't been consistent really in his career. Um, but yes, they needed pitching. It wasn't a great pitching market. They need to get an arm at the deadline. Maybe a Frankie Montes from uh, Oakland. Get rid of some one of their prospects. They have a couple. Finally, you know they didn't have a farm for years, and it's not entirely Perry's fault um, because he came into a situation with an owner that really um, was trying to micromanage everything. Didn't really know what he was doing, um, and then now finally, finally Perry is uh, in charge. He's doing a decent job, but Madden is another guy. You bring it up, David. 
Madden really doesn't know what he's doing as much anymore. He makes some really questionable managerial calls, especially in the bullpen. Um, he's a good clubhouse guy, which is why you give him a chance the rest of the year, see if you make the playoffs. And he could win you a World Series just because he's so charismatic and nice. The thing is, he him making these managerial decisions late in the game, costing them games, is 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 concerning to me. If he doesn't make the playoffs this year, he's fired 100%. Yeah, oh, 100%. I'm, I'm going to go out on a limb and say I think the Angels got to win tonight. Um, back wow. at home. Back you want to bet on it? Yeah. <laughs> they found a way to lose 11 straight it games. Is, it is right now. Just everything that can go wrong will go wrong. But, you know, Mike Trout is 0 for his last, whatever it was, 27, 30. 28. He's seen his average drop from 320 to, th- to two. Shows how good he is. Obviously, that's, that's going to change at some point. I mean, he's the best player ever, in my opinion. Um, they're back at home against the Red Sox, another team that I, I think is right on the dot at 500, 27, and 27. It just seems like, you know, this can't go on for much longer. Syndergaard on the mound, Michael Walker uh, on the mound for the Red Sox, who's kind of had a little bit of a career resurgence this year. Um, something's got to give at some point. I think tonight's night, the Angels turn it around. Will they do it? Will they do it? It's a good note against the Red Sox, because if you look back to earlier in the year, the Angels had a now seems like nothing, but a mini slump where where they had a close to record game scoreless, and they were getting perfect game thrown on them by Whitlock, and then Walsh hits the double off the wall, and Stassi ties it up with a home run, and it would go on to cling on to uh, two base runners in the top of the ninth, and on a 3-2 count, Jared Walsh would pull the ball into the shift, and, and, and score a run so it was a great game that really brought a resurgence to the team and it was against the Red Sox and it was away you know you have this change of scenery you go back home you forget about the road trip you forget about the losses this is the team that the Angels turned it around against last time in tough tough ways could be the team they do it against again but that's just some optimism for an Angels community that has had virtually none so, David, uh, we were watching uh, game two of the finals last night uh, together. The Warriors uh, really blew out the Celtics. It was not close. It was, a, you know, they took a 25-point lead, uh, really kind of stepped up big, following blowing a 15-point third-quarter lead in game one. Uh, series tied 1-1. Your thoughts now that the uh, now, now that the series shifts over to Boston, your thoughts on that? Well, the Warriors took care of business in a game that they, you know, we were all talking about it. They had to win. We knew last night that if they lost that game at home, went down 0-2, it did not seem like the way Boston's been playing, the way they've been playing at home, that the Warriors are going to go into Boston and even take one of them. And I don't know if they will. You know, I don't know if they still can go into Boston and take one of them because that's such a tough place to play. It's something that an engaged crowd. It's, it's a team that's played excellently at home, all postseason. But the Warriors showed what they are capable of in that third quarter, right? They only led by two at half. It was a close game back and forth. You know, Tatum seemed to be scoring all right. Uh, Jalen Brown started off the game okay. Clay was having a tough game. Draymond almost gets kicked out of the game. Uh, and he had this one play I was watching. Uh, I'm sure it's all over Twitter by now, uh, against Jalen Brown, where Brown ended up, you know, 
try to dribble this way, turn around that way. One, two, shimmy. Nothing was working uh, on the elbow. Takes a tough shot, nowhere near the rim. Great defense to play. And that's been what the Warriors have been great at, is finally they have a top 10 defense. You know, we were talking about this last night. You know, you got to have a uh, top 10 defense to win a finals. You got to have a really good defense to win a finals. Uh, these two teams are great defensive rating. And they both showed it. But on one side, you have the Celtics playing 88 points, falling flat. And on the other side, you have the Warriors dominating that third quarter and this time riding it into the fourth. You know, Jordan Poole uh, scoring double digits, 5 3, Seth Curry doing what he does. And the Celtics this time. Right, last time they had the the White and the Horford really carrying them. This time they didn't. You know, you had your double digits from your from your two guys, and you didn't really have a lot of other help. And that's been the storyline so far. The series is can the Celtics get a third guy to go off to win in the game? And if not, and if it's just a sub twenty performance from Brown and a sub thirty performance from Tatum, they won't win. And the Warriors know that. They play to that, and it worked for them last night. David, I wanted to ask you a question about the the Clippers. We haven't had updated odds on Kyrie Irving's free agency in about a week. A week ago, the number one destination via sports betting AG, if Kyrie was to leave Brooklyn, was the Clippers. Now, I find that kind of surprising. Yeah, right. Yeah, that's <laughs> what money. What money? That's how I took it. Yeah, as well. where? How? Exactly. So that's what I wanted to ask you about. Is how is that feasible? Is that something that you can see happening? Because Vegas obviously has some sort of intel. They wouldn't just have them as the favorites. Yeah. you know, pie in the sky. But it seems unrealistic to me. What are your thoughts on that? They wouldn't just throw that out there, right? That's not. There's been plenty of clickbait, but when it comes to odds, that's not what they're not really trying to generate some kind of story here, right? They're trying to get people to bet. So it only seems feasible if you were to move around some money and some sort of sign and trade something, right? You know, they they have a couple guys, two guys that they're paying a lot. They have a kind of ancillary pieces that they're really giving a lot of money to, right? You get, you still have Norm Powell on the team, which eventually you hope to retain him. You know, you're giving Robert Covington a new deal. Eventually, you kind of got to ask yourself in this situation, right, what money? You know, how do you afford another near-max max contract for a guy that has not proven himself? And if you're the Clippers... Barring an injury, right, which is what we say about every team all the time. You had your Middleton injury this year. You know, you had your Devin Booker injury early. Barring an injury, you feel confident with the roster that you have. You have great chemistry. The guys love each other. They trust Ty Lue. He's made some tough decisions in the past. They've worked out. Some even haven't, but they still ride with him. You know, you have every night this season a different guy was going off. Sometimes you have a Luke Kennard game winner. Sometimes you have a Reggie Jackson masterclass. Sometimes Marcus Morris with 430. It's what it is. There's been some rumors, right, about moving Marcus Morris, maybe. That's kind of been the main rumor mill, but I don't know if the we move Marcus Morris for someone better, someone who plays closer to our style, and the Kyrie Irving is a Clipper narrative. I don't know if those are paired together. I don't really see how. I don't know 
how Brooklyn's trying to accept a sign and trade. It it does not seem plausible. But then again, anything can happen in this league. We can see anybody go anywhere. Any team can work out anything. And as much as it looks impossible, and as much as, you know, whether I'll say I want it or not, because that's a whole other story, as a Clipper fan, anything can really happen. And that's the scariest part of free agency in the NBA and, and, and acquisitions in the NBA is you close your eyes and this guy's playing here and Katie's a warrior and, and now he's a net and Harden's over here. And now he's on the Sixers. It, things can happen. Yeah, this I mean, is one of those things that it, it could happen. It's possible for one reason. Um, I would say it's unlikely the Clippers would have to give um, Robert Covington and Norman Powell to make the money work pretty much. Um, maybe a future first round pick, but even then, why would that? Why would the Nets? In, why would that interest the Nets? Well, if they have Ben Simmons coming back, if he ever plays another game in the NBA, which is like a huge question mark because we don't know, um, they might want to prioritize defense. I can see from that perspective maybe why Vegas thinks it could work. But then again, the Clippers would get so much worse defensively if they got Kyrie Irving. It doesn't make any sense. Their wings stop for a reason. They got wings. They they're a favorite in the West next season. I wanted to ask you, David, about DeAndre Ayton. Now I've posted a ton of TikToks about DeAndre Aiden getting moved. Um, and a lot of people are getting annoyed by how much annoyed by how much I say DeAndre Aiden to the Hawks, DeAndre Aiden yeah. to the Pistons. Also, by the way, follow me on TikTok, Brandon S. Deutsch. <laughs> I had have, have to plug myself a little bit. Trying to get these uh, more hundred K view videos. Um, trying to be like Armon here. Uh, either way, I've I've mentioned a lot that I do expect him to get traded and today a new report said that he probably played his last game for the Suns. I think this was all expected considering his camp has said he wants 25-plus million, almost to 30 million. I don't think any center deserves 30 million. Um, I can see Aiden getting 20. Maybe he's worth that, but he's young. He's great. The Suns can't replace him, really. I think the most viable option might be to flip him for Capella and um, maybe a Kevin Herter ship off Jay Crowder too, maybe to the Pistons. The Pistons are really the only team that can be under the luxury tax and give him $30 million. So maybe that's an option. They get a Jeremy Grant if they want more wings. I don't really know, but what are your thoughts here on DeAndre Aiden? Where do you think he can go? And no Nick Hamilton, he cannot go to the Clippers. I know Nick Hamilton brought that up a couple weeks ago. and It's like, with what money? Again, I mean, I know Bomber's rich, but like, what is he going to spend? $500 million luxury tax bill? Jeez. All right, go ahead, Dave. Yeah, no, I don't see him going to... I don't see the Clippers trying to pull that off because he's an expensive player that doesn't always give you the return. And You know, you're right in that. The Hawks looking to maybe add around Trey Young. The Hawks feel like they're constantly in a flux between win now and rebuilding. You know, it'd be a tough move for me to see the Pistons commit to because they're in such a rebuilding stage. You need a couple more years of top top lottery picks, top guys, and then you go with that free agent. I don't see a point for Detroit committing to a guy that isn't really worth all the money that they give him right now. Um, Indiana is another team that maybe yeah. you have a, you know, um, uh, you move miles somewhere. You, you are constantly in the flux. You move Paris. You have frogs in the field. What do you do with them? You know, maybe try to build around Halliburton it's it's an interesting case because yeah he's not going to play for the Suns again you always kind of compare him to Luka Doncic and Trey Young who was drafted before both of them 
Phoenix really as well as they've been, as much as they've been to the finals in the past two years, which is one. But you feel like they kind of missed out, right, on a Luca, on a Trey Young. Yeah, he's fine. He's good. He, as a flipper, you know what he can do. He's got a great mid-range shot. He is a difference maker when he plays on the paint. However, with that money, Phoenix feels like, all right, we just plug and play any center right now, right? Like a Capella, like a, I don't know, like what the Warriors have been doing for the past decade. Plug and play any center, right? Looney's been great, but they've done it with Zaza Petulia and Festus Azili. Someone like that. You say, we're good enough with the rest of our pieces, right? Bridges and, and, and Johnson and obviously Book and CP, whoever. Right? We've won without Aiden. Why can't we win with so-and-so? Why can't we win with Biombo? If you let him go, maybe down the road you have the money for another free agent, somebody else, another trade to make that team better. But with this Aiden move, unless the Suns really make the best of it, it feels like their window is much, much smaller than it was two years ago. Yeah, and you got a feel for Chris Paul here. I mean, he, he had a chance. He At least he played in the finals. But, at uh, least he did. At least he did play in the finals. And then, David, when he, when, he won, when he won the Western Conference, he got the trophy at Staples Center, and he did give a shout-out to all the uh, Clipper fans out there. Uh, David, you're the best. Thank you so much for joining us. We'll uh, talk to you again next week. Sounds perfect, y'all. Thanks for having me. Thanks, David. Uh, we do have to touch on this. Brandon, I wanted to get your thoughts on, what is it? it, it is this like the, the alternate jersey for Yeah, for the, the Angels, Angels, the surf the vibes surf. and stuff. Yeah, I don't know why they they have to unveil it today in the midst of an 11-game that, losing I, streak. That's like, that's what problem. are you doing? What are you trying to promote? Win a game before you, gotta, you do this. You had to, like, so if the plan was to unveil that, this week, which is fine. You can't do it when you're in the midst of an 11-game. Yeah, game. win a game first. Win a game, <laughs> and then you do it, like, the next day. And if that means you have to wait a week... No, just kidding. I think... Now I think, they're trending on Twitter. Everyone's making fun of them. Well, oh, yeah, it looks so cool. Congratulations. Win a game, you yeah, know? Yeah, I mean, it is the worst thing, but it, it's kind of one of those things where, you know how, like, the Chargers really tried hard. Like, we're Los Angeles, and... and Chargers are good. Chargers are good. They could get to the Super Bowl this year. I was just about to say, but at least they're winning games. Like, you're on an 11-game losing streak, you know, and then you yeah. unveil this, like... I don't know. It's just not a good look. It's questionable. <laughs> yeah. Questionable. I mean, sure. it's not a good look in general, and then be, to be on an 11-game losing streak, it's definitely not a good look. So. Do you like him, though? Let's the, go around. The do, I like, do I like the new Angels the new jerseys? Uniform. Yeah, they're sick. Too yeah, bad they suck. I mean, <laughs> they're, they're cool. I don't... I, I mean, I don't hate them, for sure. I think... I don't... A lot of these city jerseys have like meet like significance with their designs that relate to the city, and I don't know how the Angels jersey relates in that way. Right, so if there's yeah. like a deeper meaning that I can look into later, then <laughs> I'll probably like them a little bit more, knowing what they represent. But just from the look of them, I think they're fine. Yeah, yeah. So I mean, again, you had to wait till you won a game. If they if they won tonight, unveil this tomorrow. You can't do it in the midst of an 11 game losing streak. All right, that's all the time we have for today. Let's do it again tomorrow. Until then, this is Arash Markazi saying, stay safe and stay healthy. This is the Arash Markazi Show on the Mightier 1090 ESPN Radio. Hustle for the cash so it's hard to knock it. Everybody got their own thing. Currency chasing worldwide through the hard times. Worrying faces. Thank you for listening to Believe. You can show support to your host by subscribing to the show and giving us a five-star rating on your preferred platform. 
Check us out at Believe.com and search for B-L-E-A-V on YouTube.